Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. God is able. We're going to be talking about the Messianic Covenant today. We have gone through and talked about different covenants from Adam all the way up to this point. Prior to this, we talked about Oh my gosh, it's been so good with the Davidic covenant. And how many of you have enjoyed all of these revelations with the Noahic covenant? All of the expressions of God's presence. What we're excited about today in conclusion to this one before we get into the next part of the semester is the revelation that comes with this message. In this message, you're going to find an accumulation and existence of all the other covenants in this one. In this one. And when you hear the word Messiah, it actually references Jesus, or to the Jewish faith, it was the anointed one. And reference to King David and others that have been anointed by God to come in to be a savior, to be a leader, to be a king, to raise up Israel that they can be a nation of being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. So when Jesus came into the world, Jesus came into the world as Messiah, but he dominated in the spiritual realm. And he became king by ascending up on high and coming down and sitting at the right hand of the Father, which means a place of authority, because how can you sit at the right hand of someone that's everywhere? It means place of authority place of power and there's one that sits on the throne according to revelation and that's king jesus because when you look at jesus you're looking at god that's another whole semester isaiah chapter 9 let's go to the prophet isaiah isaiah chapter 9 if you have your bibles go ahead and turn with us there we love to hear the papers turn we also we're not prejudiced against technology and if we're not going to judge you for not having yours so look up here Isaiah chapter 9. It's such a good day. How many of you do believe it's such a blessed day? How many of you feel blessed today? Just such a good day. Not because of the weather, but because we're free. We're free in Christ Jesus. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, Nevertheless, this is a prophecy now. This is a prophecy by Isaiah that he gives. The prophet writes, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. This is pertaining to Christ coming, the Messiah. The land of Zebulun and Nephtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now we know that pertains to Jesus. He was, remember, references him to Galilee. And then it goes on further. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. How many of you believe we're actually living in a time of deep darkness right now? How many of you also believe that God's called us to be the light of the world? So he says, 
you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Notice he said, Israel will be enlarged. But then he talks about the Gentiles going into the Gentile nation. What we have taught here and what we have taught you is that God has now made one new man made up of Jew and Gentile. And he enlarged Israel. So you're looking around right now at God's enlargement. And they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Now, if you don't have anybody that has a harvest, any kind of farmers here, then you don't understand harvest. But he also said, look like warriors dividing the plunder. Now, if you have ever been in a battle and God's giving you the victory, you understand what he's talking about here. Has anybody ever been given the upper hand over the enemy? That's, he said, that's what it's going to be like. Because you're going to be in a state of winning, in a state of offense. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of the median. Of median. The boots of the warrior and the uniform bloodstains by war will be burned and they will be fuel for fire. Verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Now watch this verse. Here's the last part. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And another scripture says the zeal of the Lord. But the NLT describes it as a passionate commitment. God is committed to us. You want to know the exciting part about this scripture and this prophecy? It has already been fulfilled through us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to show you the real purpose of Messiah, the anointed one, coming in. And this messianic covenant has everything to do with your succeeding and the purpose God has called for you. Everyone has a purpose Everyone has a calling. I've heard people say all the time, I have a calling in my life. Spoiler alert, everybody has a calling. I have a ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a purpose. And here's the good news. Everybody has an anointing available to you through Christ for that purpose. Are you ready to learn this Sunday morning? Are you hungry for the word? Say, God bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for being here. To thoroughly understand the actual term Messiah, you have to look back at the history of Israel and look when God raised up an individual and anointed them. The, one of the examples we're going to look at is when God anointed David. 
because it's referencing Christ. David was a type of Christ. And so when you begin to look at the moment when God, through the prophet Samuel, anointed David, he anointed him before he became king, much like Jesus. I believe that the anointing at the actual establishing of his ministry was at the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. It signified so much when it came to who he was and the signs that will follow. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descended upon him and a voice came out from heaven and said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, which also was another prophetic voice from the Old Testament to confirm who Jesus was. And in that moment, he went through a space of trying, a temptation. He went into the wilderness, and we know the story. He came out with power after he had overcome. This is much like David. David wasn't promoted to king right away. David had to go through some trials. David had to fight for his life. David had to fight against even his own king, King Saul. And through a duration of time and process, God raised up David. And then he fulfilled his anointing. But I don't, I don't know if we ever think about this, but many times when God fills us, saves us, fills us, and sanctifies us, and, and, and we have this wonderful experience with God, there's still the proving ground. Because God wants what he put inside of you to bring him back some return. A lot of people, I, I need to help all the newbies here and help you understand that just because you get saved and just because you're baptized and and spirit filled does not mean that all goes well because what you have and who you have inside of you has to come out and many times it doesn't come out without pressure that's just the facts whatever hasn't been tested can't be trusted and so God had to allow certain men and women to go through some things. And, and we read the stories of every person that God made a covenant with. It wasn't all well with them after that. They had some trials. They had some testing. But, but they always came out on top because God will never fail you. God will never fail you. And when it came to Jesus coming into the world, they Simply, they meaning Israel, they simply missed it because they were anticipating another David. They were anticipating someone coming out with armor, possibly. Delegation, administration, influence to the point of appointing a new army. Rebuilding the temple by chasing out, and he did it, actually he did chase them out to establish the thought and principle of the house of God being a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And so you actually look at Jesus coming in to try to set in order God's original plan. But that didn't come into fulfillment until we received Christ. And we've taught you that here. We've taught you that you are the temple of God now. Maybe over here. You're the temple of God now. The spirit of God abides inside of you. He didn't want to put his spirit in a box. He wanted to put it in your heart. You are the spirit bearer right now. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the carrier of God's presence. 
The anointing abides within you and works through you. But this is still very, very controversial in the world. This is why right now, more than ever, the church, God's people, really need to stand up and stand up to know, to let the world know that Christ still works in the earth. That Messiah has come. Because the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. Most people don't know what that means. It was getting old when I started preaching over 20 years ago, and it's even older now. Tapioca pudding was coming out. It had those little bitty the tapioca in there, and you couldn't tell if it was tapioca until you bit into it and found out this is the real deal because it was a big deal. But, you know, proof is in the pudding is what that came from. FYI, just in case. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. The proof is in the anointing, in other words. The proof is in the results that come. I, I can honestly say, and I can tell you that I know there are people here that has been delivered from witchcraft. There's people here that has been delivered from immorality. There are people here that has been delivered from alcoholism, drug addiction, broken marriages, broken relationships, broken lives. I can tell you of a surety that the anointing is real. That the Spirit of God is real. And, and that's the indication. This generation can hear a message, but if there's no proof, you just wasted your breath. When Jesus came into the world, people followed him. He said, you're there for the fishes and the loaves. But then, but then, you also saw people come up to him like Nicodemus who said, we know you're a teacher who comes from God. No one can do the miracles that you do. So they followed him as well for the healing the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. It was evident, but still, they forsook him. They left him. He was left alone. Because it's not good enough just to be around the anointing. You got to have it, too, to sustain you. And it wasn't until after God poured his spirit out in the book of Acts that there was a change of heart. And even those men, the apostles, who left Jesus alone in the time of persecution and time of testing. Even them, Peter, more notably for knowing, for, for, for failing bigger than all of them. Peter stood up, preached the message, and 3,000 souls came to Christ that day. Someone say the anointing. Come on, someone say Messiah has come. The proof of the Messianic covenant it's found in Christ Jesus. The conflict is, is that even before, even before the days of Christ, everyone anticipated and they knew. Many people saw the correlation of the scripture. A lot of people understood and they saw Jesus even quoting the Old Testament many times, but said it was blasphemy because they had never even thought that God would allow someone to come into the world as he did so humbly. He wasn't flashy. He didn't have his own house. Foxes had holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He had a treasure, but yet he still didn't carry the money. He, at one point, to pay his taxes, he went and got money out of a fish's mouth. He proved a provisionary gospel. One of provision. One of understanding that God 
will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And Jesus proved it all. But yet it wasn't good enough. Even with the word in front of them, I'm going to give you just, I'm going to breeze through this for the sake of time. But there are so many prophecies, so many in the, in the word of God. There are exactly over at least 300 prophecies concerning Jesus' fulfilling the Old Testament. This is why it's so important. There are so many different thoughts and schools of theology right now. You have to be careful. There are preachers even coming out right now saying you don't have to read the Old Testament, believe the Old Testament, because it's not even worthy to be listened or reckoned with or studied. But all we need is the new. All we need is Jesus alone. But I tell you that Jesus quoted more out of the Old Testament than anything else. It's worthy of following if Jesus followed it. We need the entirety of the word of God. Now stop trying to think about who that preacher is. Because we need the entirety of God's word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof and instruction to live in righteousness. To equip us. And so it's so important. But this is all they had to go by. One of the first things you'll find out and we read about the Messiah would be resurrected. Now, I'm just going to give you the scripture references, and you can go home and look at them. So if you're taking notes, write this down and go home and reference this. This will help you. I didn't give the scriptures up here because I wanted you to write them down. Messiah will be resurrected. This is found in Psalms 16 and 8. Psalms 16 and 8. And it's also fulfilled in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 13, verse 35. These two references that the disciples began to speak and to preach. And if you want to know what Jesus taught, look at what the disciples taught. Look at the actions of the apostles if you want to know what Jesus taught. It's very simple. He discipled them. He trained them. He indoctrinated them. If you want to know what Jesus believed, look at the apostles. What did they preach? And they preached the resurrection. In this particular scripture, David gave even a reference to his own being saved, being brought out of paradise and to be with God, being resurrected. The scripture says that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that many came out of the grave at the same time. How many of you remember that? It's in the Bible. Don't worry. It is in the Bible. It was a phenomenon. It was a most miraculous thing that anyone had ever heard. People were in fear. They, were, they, were, they, they, did, they couldn't believe it. But, but when that power of resurrection came, it resurrected everybody that was a believer. It was a witness to the power of Christ. It also says that Messiah would bring a new covenant. It was spoken by, in the Old Testament, by the prophet Jeremiah 31 and 31. It was spoken there, but it was also mentioned so many times in the book of Matthew chapter 26, in the book of Luke chapter 22, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, Hebrews 8 and 6, Hebrews 9, 15. It's all over. The expression of a new covenant appears seven times in the New Testament. And the new covenant frequently is referred to as simply a covenant. 
But the agreement that God made with us was all going to be based on one thing. It was his blood. His blood that was shed. It goes on and says in number three, as you look on the screen, the Messiah would be forsaken and pierced, but also vindicated. This is Psalms 22 and 1 through 31. It references this. Then it's also fulfilled in the New Testament in Matthew 27, 35. He would suffer but also be vindicated. He also, number four, would be rejected. In the Old Testament, it's Psalms 118, verse 22. Psalms 118, verse 22. It begins to talk about the chief cornerstone have been rejected. And it's also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. You can find this all throughout the scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. All of this. The cornerstone was referencing the very foundation of the church. The very essence of what everything would find its stability in within the kingdom of God. Jesus was the stability. The cornerstone. Number six, if you look at this, it says the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Again, confirming that Jesus was the anointed one. We have to look at this. We have to just get reviewed in this, refresh ourselves in this, remind ourselves, because there are so many thought schools of thought right now, even Christians that are saying that you can be saved without going to Jesus. They call it progressive Christianity. Just believing him, that's good enough. But it doesn't matter what you believe. I hate to tell you, but our opinions don't matter, but the Bible does. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter how I feel about what God believes or what's true and what's not true. But if the Word of God says it, then it's settled. And when you read the Word of God, you'll find so many reaffirming evidence about Jesus being the one. The one that God would use to bring all humanity to him. All humanity. And the virgin birth was one of them. That's why so many people are trying to contradict that there's no way in the world that a person could be born without interaction of the opposite sex. But Jesus was. Jesus got his blood from heaven. I'm going to go a step further. And so were you when you were born again. That's another Bible study too. Stick around. You'll learn it. Hebrews. The Hebrew scripture writes it like this. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 references the virgin birth. Isaiah 7 and 14. Most people don't even know it's there. It's there. It's confirmed in the first gospel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. And a son is given unto us. A son is born. Thou shalt call his name. He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And as you notice, the ministry of Jesus, when he escalated and he got close to the time of his departure and dissension, he actually said, I have been with you, but behold, I shall be in you. The new covenant. 
He was making transition. The transition from an old to a new would be that now you would again become the temple. He would put his spirit inside of you and abide and live in you. All of this, all of this, let me jump down really quickly and just reference this. In Isaiah 53, number eight, it also talks about the suffering servant, the one who would come and suffer for our sake. It was Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53 and 12. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. you got to believe Jesus still heals. See, a lot of people are discouraged because they look for miracles, instant change, instant wholeness. But many times God wants to heal as a process. That's why I think coming to church is so important and going into prayer is so important and worshiping is so important everywhere. Because did you know that when you draw closer to God, he draws close to you and the very essence of God himself is healing and deliverance and freedom. And the more of God you get inside of you, I'm just asking you, how many of you know that when the spirit of the Lord shows up where there's freedom... Where the spirit of the Lord is. And that's freedom not just in mind and thinking, but in sickness and disease and addictions and even, even possession or even oppression. You can't be around God's presence thick and nothing happen. We have seen it time and time again, and people's perspectives are different, and people's levels of faith are different. That's why the woman with the issue of blood, she was different than everyone else around because she was desperate. Desperate makes you different. And when you're desperate and you don't care what people think, you press through everyone's opinions, you press through everyone's thoughts, you press through everyone's theology, you press through all the doubt and all the unbelief, and it doesn't matter if you feel like you have a right or not, you want it, you need it, you got to have it, and that's what God honors, faith. The anointing flows through faith, but it happens because he suffered for us. He suffered for us. That was one of the indications of his being here, him being the one. It also said in number 11, it also said that Messiah would be preceded by Elisha. This was fulfilled and actually mentioned in the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 through 6. This was also known now when we look at John the Baptist, who had the spirit of Elisha, who came as a forerunner to precede Christ. And also it was Elijah. You'll find this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. And it's all throughout the Gospels. But wasn't it amazing I know it was when I read it, but everything we've ever learned in the Old Testament concerning the sacrificial lambs that were given, that God sent his only begotten son to become the ultimate sacrifice for us, and it was validated by John the Baptist in the New Testament for the first time when he saw Jesus and he proclaimed and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
Note, he indicated the lamb and the condition that it would deal with was sin. The prophet, the prophet John the Baptist that came in the power of Elisha came preaching repentance and called out the Lamb of God, which ties in with the message because you can't come to God first unless you repent. And you can't have true repentance without the blood. And the Lamb and repentance is brought together by faith and the blood is applied. And when the blood is applied, that's called redemption. That's called a place just like the Old Testament through the tabernacle. The blood had to be sprinkled on everything in order for God to visit his people. But when the blood was there, God would visit. I'm telling you that there's nothing good in anybody. But when the blood is applied, the spirit now has a place to go to. So you cannot judge your walk with God based on your own intellect, character, history, past doesn't matter. The blood takes care of it all. The blood wipes you clean in the eyes of the one that matters. This preceded everything. I can go on and on. I can go through and talk about how the Messiah would be like a, like a Moses. How, how the Messiah would also be called out of Egypt. How, how the Messiah would be called the son of God. How the Messiah would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. All in the Old Testament. All in the Old Testament. Even become the Passover lamb. And that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 again. Now, here's the biggest challenge. Even though the Old Testament was being fulfilled in the eyes of Israel and the Jewish nation. They still missed it. Read, write in your notes, go home and read the first gospel of John, the first chapter. Just the first chapter. That first chapter describes everything I just gave you. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And it goes on further and talks about him being the light. And there came one that bare witness of the light. Speaking of John the Baptist, he wasn't that light, but came to bear witness of that light. And he came into his own, and his own received him not later in that chapter. But as many as received him to them, they became the sons of God. Not by the will of man, not by blood, but by the Spirit of God. But by God, supernaturally. And he came full of grace the Spirit, and truth. Grace is the Spirit of God. Not forgiveness. Power. You're saved by grace. You're saved by power. You're saved by the Word of God inside of you, keeping you from sin. You're saved by the Spirit of God in your life, operating and working. Mercy comes by the blood of Jesus. Mercy is pardon. Mercy is forgiveness. But you see, when you sin, you fall. But when you fall, you need something to pick you up. And that's what grace is. You do the study. But Messiah came to deal with the real enemy, and that was sin. That's the first point. Messiah came to deal with the real enemy, 
and that was sin. But you see, when you look in the rest of the scripture, when Jesus was up for 40 days and 40 nights out of the grave and he spent time with the disciples, you want to know one of the first things they asked him? What's this? Will you, watch this in, in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says it like this. They said, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't know that he was Messiah for sure, or the anointed one. They didn't know. You know how I, did, you know, how I know they didn't know? Because the Bible says it. It's in the Bible. Remember when they were walking on the, on the beach, dragging their feet, walking sad, and Jesus comes up to them, and he says, why are you disheartened? Why is your disposition this way? Why are you so sad? And they said, didn't you hear? Jesus, we thought he was the one. We thought he was the one. Even John the ba- even his cousin, at the end of his life, he sent disciples to Jesus and said, are you the one or should we look for another? Not everybody was sure. Even those that were with him for three years, they weren't even sure. Even though they saw the miracle signs and wonders, the word of God fulfilled, they saw the anointing around them, but they still weren't convinced. This is why you can be around church your whole life. You can be around ministries your whole life that produce miracle signs and wonders. But until you get an experience, you're not going to know for sure. And then you'll miss the whole reason if it's coming. And they're still in this earthly mindset. They're still in this mindset of, okay, now, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? They wanted to go back to the good old days. Let's form an army. Let's get just kick out all the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. Let's just kick them out and get a new priesthood. Let's get the offerings and everything back in order. And let's, let's just let's do it, King Jesus. Now that you rose from the dead, we know you're the one. But watch this. Jesus replied to them and said, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has placed into his own hands, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In other words, he was saying to you, to them, to us, that old covenant didn't work. You still lost the ark. You still went into Babylonian captivity. First day I brought you out, you built a golden calf. The first time, first time, your grandson, David's grandson, or David's son, David's off the scene, and they start worshiping idols, marrying women who worship demons, start putting worship places on high places on different mountains see this is why when jesus met the woman at the well in john chapter 4 the samaritan woman she said that our fathers say on this mountain and that mountain you should worship god she was confused she didn't know what mountain to worship there are so many mountains that they established all these worship centers at but jesus said to her woman i tell you the truth 
The time is coming, now is. When the Father will seek, seek such to worship Him, that they that worship the Father will worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's not a physical location. It's a spiritual condition. Let me say it again. It's not going to be a spiritual location. It's a spiritual condition. And so this is why they wanted something from the old days. But Jesus, God, the king, he had a better plan. And the plan was, I'm going to put my spirit where it can't be lost. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because, listen, the reason I won't leave you and forsake you is because I'm going to make a way of escape. I'm going to give you the blood. I offered myself. And when you believe in me, when you fall down, I'm going to pick you back up. When you mess up, I'm going to give you a second chance. When you mess up again, I'll give you another second chance. And I'll keep on getting you up. Because by the time it's over, you're going to learn the hard way, but you're going to learn has anybody ever been taught the hard way has anybody ever been in a place where God allowed you to go through a trial but you came out with an anointing because you learned how to depend on him that's why you can't count people out that's why you can't give up on yourself that's why you can't just say to yourself I'm giving up because God will never give up on you because the blood of Jesus is more powerful than your mistakes and the grace of God is more capable than your own talent and ability and intellect. God knew what he was doing. But the one thing that separated God's people from his presence and what one thing that would separate God's people from his anointing would be a small three-letter word called sin. And nobody wants to talk about sin. Everybody wants to talk about the blessings of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God, which is wonderful. And the reason why they're not anointed is because of that little three-letter word. And let me, before everybody starts saying yes and amen, no offense to anybody, but I'm just simply telling you. Uh, and the only reason people can't find that true anointing is because they're trying to look for everybody else's sin. Right? Shout. Suck at that. Right? Everybody. You got to be careful. You see, I don't believe that we are all sinners. I think we have a choice. You see, when the scripture says that we are called saints, you see, I come from a denomination growing up. 19 years of my life, I grew up in a denomination where when I heard the word saint, I thought of a candle or a statue or a necklace. And I was taught to pray to those saints. So an old mindset takes a word. Religion will take a word from the scripture and give it a new definition based on man's ideas. That's what religion is. So when I read the scripture and I actually started recognizing that the scripture actually calls us saints because we've been forgiven, cleansed, washed by the blood. But I don't pray to none of you, that's for sure. I pray to the one who cleansed you, forgave you, forgave me. Now watch this, watch this. Every covenant from the Old Testament that God gave to every one of the patriarchs 
was now fulfilled in Jesus. And what gave us access to that was the fact that God sent the Lamb to reconcile all things and fulfill all things. Look at this chart right here. Look at this chart. We went through this semester every covenant we felt like was relevant for us to know this. The Adamic covenant. The Noahic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. The Mosaic covenant. The Davidic covenant. Every one of the covenants that God made in the Old Testament had a stipulation in it. If you did your part by keeping his commandments, God would do his part and infuse a special gift, an anointing, and a grace to favor you, to bless you. Adam failed because of sin. Period. Sin. Noah was called because of sin. God got, this is scary to think about, but God got tired of people messing around and being foolish. He caused a big flood to happen. And, and he said, Noah, I'm going to make a new generation and a world out of you. Israel almost had this happen to him with Moses, but Moses prayed for them. Noah was like, no problem, let's do it. <laughs> right? Moses said, no, Lord, please don't do that then people are going to say, you brought them out just to die. Moses was the type of Christ. Abraham. Abraham messed up a few times, but his covenant was based on faith, believing. He just had to believe, and God would visit him. He failed, but he knew how to offer sacrifices to God. He was called an altar builder. He knew the power of the blood. All of this, you find a bloodline. David fell, but he knew how to worship, and he knew how to repent. But when it came time for the Messiah, God says, I, I got a better plan. I'm going to make him the sacrificial lamb. He's going to give his own blood. He's going to be without sin. And then I'm going to let him rise up into the heavens, take his own blood, become the high priest. Then I'm going to let him pour his spirit out on all flesh. And then everybody's going to have what he had. Not only what he had, but the anointing and the favor that David had. Also, the privilege of knowing God and understanding God like Moses had. I'm going to give them the blessings of Abraham, carry it through the seed of Christ. I'm going to give them the ability to bring their family into the ark, which is the church, and watch their families be saved like Noah. And I'm also going to give them back their dominion that Adam lost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me. Number two, and this is the last point, Messiah came to reign through us. Or in other words, Jesus poured his spirit out to establish his covenant and the anointing flows through you. You're not the anointed one. Jesus is. The anointing flows through you based on your stance and relationship with God because of the blood, because of your faith, because of your knowledge, because of your understanding. You've now given Jesus a place in your life to fulfill his purpose. Here's what I want to share with you. With Jesus and you understanding your purpose, the anointing flows when you act on it. Everyone is called to have an anointing. 
And the only thing that will hinder that anointing is sin. Sin has always been the disruptor between God and humanity. Now, don't get depressed when I talk about sin. Get happy because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is available to everybody. And the grace of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God will enable you to walk in His commandments without even trying hard. Have you ever been in that place before where you just like, people give you the Bible how many of you remember when God saved you? How many of you remember when you had an experience with God? And how many of you remember when you, got, when you got baptized in the Spirit? How many of you remember when God touched you and you started living out the Bible and then people started telling you about the Bible and you're kind of like, yeah, you know what? I've been doing that. Well, I didn't even know that was there. Because the Spirit and the Word are one and He put it in you and will cause you to walk in His ways. Once the true Lamb of God was slain, the ultimate sacrifice would restore us back to what the devil took from us. If what you are, who you are, and what you do doesn't build the kingdom, you're never going to find a true anointing and purpose. Let me say it again. Most people are unhappy because they're satisfied with things, accomplishments, but there's no peace because they've not been fulfilled and making a difference with their calling. It's not based on talents. It's not based on money. It's not based on influence. It's not based on how many likes and how many followers you've got, how many subscribers you have. It is based on whether or not you know you're in God's perfect will and you're fulfilling his purpose through your life. If you're a business owner, then you are what God calls a king. And a king are provisionaries for the vision. And God is trying to establish business owners or raise them up in the church to finance the church. That's your calling. A lot of people, they may not have a ministry where they have a microphone or a platform, but their platform is their business skills, their creativity, the ability they have to produce. They're kings. There are other people that may not know how to make money, but they know how to teach. And the anointing flows through their teaching. Their anointing flows through their Discipling others, whether you're a elementary school teacher, high school teacher, junior high teacher, it doesn't matter. When you're walking with God and you're going to be a godly influence and you know that Messiah has resided inside of you, did you know that God will anoint your classrooms, whether you're preaching the gospel or not, to feel the love of God? And it won't be long that you'll meet a parent because they, their kids say, I love that teacher. There's something different about that teacher. And parents are like, I got to meet that teacher. And somehow, some way, they end up at the same place you end up at. 
because somebody's praying for them. See, you thought you were just called to be a teacher just to get a paycheck. No, 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 no. You were called to be a teacher so you can evangelize your schools and let God change the heart of every parent and every... Well, all I know how to do is clean. God will, I know women that know how to clean. I know men too that know how to clean. But there's one particular lady I know of in my life. She's got an anointing for cleaning. Well, you know when she's been there. You know when she's not there. She'll show up everyone. I'm just telling you. God gifts people and anoints them in different ways. God took, well, I don't know why I'm on this. It won't leave me, but I have to fulfill it. You ready? Samson was called to defeat the Philistines. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a businessman. You may be a warrior. Some of you have ever, you've ever tried to figure out why you're so mean. Here, Pastor Bobby, here's my wife, but don't talk to her. She's mean. She's mean. I'm just joking. My wife is the sweetest thing you'll ever meet, but you make her mad, she turns into a Yaki Indian. I actually got Yaki Indian in my blood. Some of you were meant to defeat the devil and not have any mercy. I've heard people say before, uh, we're going to give the devil a black eye. But I've heard warriors say before, we're going to cut his head off. <laughs> David did. That's why David, David, he knocked Goliath down. He said, that's not good enough. I got to cut his head off. Make sure that bad boy doesn't get back up again. He's too big. He's too big. That's an anointing. Fierce. You love people. You love people. You forgive people. But remember, behind that person, if they do you wrong, probably a devil, go to war. Get in the spirit. Release a word. Let the anointing flow through. See, you're anointed for that. And you don't impose your own will on a situation towards people. That's witchcraft. You impose the word of God against the enemy of our soul, the devil, and use the word of God and release it because you have an anointing for it. Then you'll start walking out and you'll find peace. Because you put every one of them little things in its corner or sent them out or send them back to hell. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Everybody has an anointing. Everybody has an anointing. I didn't find out till years later miracles run in my family. I've, God has proven this time and time and time again through things with building, with establishing, with structuring and things when I go into prayer and I start praying in the spirit and I start asking God to move I start seeing the hand of God building the church I start seeing the hand of God build your families I start seeing the hand of God begin to establish ministries I start seeing all kinds of stuff I know my anointing not everybody has it but I got to tell you something you have an anointing for your family because they're under your responsibility and when you start praying your children get saved your wife straightens up your husband straightens up Everything begins to work out because the Messiah has come. And everything that was available to all the patriarchs, you've got it in Christ Jesus. Come on, Alicia. 
Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 says this. I know we went longer. Is this okay, everybody? Thank you for the 10 that clapped. Are you ready? But now, speaking of Jesus, he has attained a better, more excellent ministry and as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because, finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming. Everyone say, the day has come. Saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand and led them in the land of Egypt out of it. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them. Covenants are everything to God. And this is why he poured his spirit out and shed his blood to make it so easy for us. Thank the Lord. Saith the Lord, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. And in other words, he'll cause you to think and be mindful by the spirit of your mind. He'll put it there. How? By his spirit. Remember, the expression of God's spirit comes out in the form of a word or by the power of God, or by the Spirit of the Lord, but it manifested itself. So when you read the Bible, that's the expression of the Spirit, and God's Spirit and Word is one. You can't divide God. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts, or their passions, or their desires. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now God says, There's, those are, that, that's my people. Those are my people. The ones that got my word in their minds and also the ones that have them in their heart to follow after me. My people will walk in an anointing. They're a royal priesthood. They're a holy nation. They're a peculiar people. They're not like everybody else. My people are different. My people are different. My people are anointed. My people have a purpose. My people carry a mission. My people are warriors. My people are kingdom builders. My people are evangelists. My people are teachers. My people, listen, if Jesus was a great teacher and they called him rabbi, and if you have a gift of teaching, do you not think that you could teach like Jesus if you have the spirit of Christ? You think you got good return on your investment. Look what Jesus did with two fishes and five loaves. I'm just saying. You think you're good at finding money. Jesus had to go and he said, hey, the taxes are on the fish's mouth. Boom. Yeah, drop, mic drop. The Messiah. The conclusion today is this, as you stand to your feet. The Messianic Covenant is all about restoring us to our original place with God. The Anointed One is here. And He lives in your heart. 
would you just surrender yourself to him right now and just tell him, Lord, I just want to walk with you. I embrace, God, every promise. I embrace, dear God, everything. Lord Jesus, let me find my anointing, God, and my purpose concerning the assignment. And I'm going to walk with you. Restore me back to the original place. That original place, God, that we had with you. To walk with you. To talk with you. To have dominion, power, and authority concerning our lives. In the name of Jesus right now, if you'll just receive an impartation right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.